Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. Today, we're talking about the 2019 musical biopic Rocket Man. It's the uh, uh, it's it's about the life and music of Sir Elton John. It's directed by Dexter Fletcher. Who you may recall replaced David or I'm sorry, Brian Singer as the director of Bohemian Rhapsody when all that shit stuff went to shit. Hmm. Uh, it's written by Lee Hall, who's a famous English playwright. Play, playwright, television writer, screenwriter, and lyricist. Unfortunately, I haven't, I'm not really familiar with all the stuff he's done, uh, but he did do Rocket Man. It stars Taron Edgerton as uh, Elton John. You will remember him from the Kingsman series, the young punk from the Kingsman series. Uh, Jamie Bell, who I've seen in a bunch of stuff, including King Kong, uh, Jumper, most recently in Snowpiercer, uh, as his lifelong writing partner. Um, Richard Madden. Uh, uh, Rob Stark himself plays his longtime business manager slash lover. Bryce Dallas Howard uh, plays Elton's mom. You know, we've seen her in Jurassic World, Pete's Dragon. She was once upon a time Gwen Stacy from Spider-Man 3. And finally, Stephen Graham as his original manager, Dick James, uh, who you'll remember was a really good Al Capone back in Boardwalk Empire. Uh, this was essentially personally approved of, overseen by, and blessed by Elton John, who, by all accounts, was thrilled with the way it turned out. Um, felt like it did a good job of his showing his highs and his lows while still being kind of inspirational. Um, a, a more deliberately mythologized, I think, biopic than most, or at least it, you know, like that was. Th- this is not. Pr- d- uh, purporting to be 100% true literal history. I mean, at one point, Elton John makes a crowd levitate. I don't think that mm. really happened. Maybe I wasn't there. Um, what did you think of rocket man, Jim? I was underwhelmed by rocket man. Unfortunately, I, I guess maybe I had some expectations based on the person or the persona of Elton John, that this movie would be more fun that this movie would have some lighthearted moments in it. And aside from the levitating of the crowd, I have a hard time identifying any just purely fun moments in this movie. Man. Cause that's like, Am one I, wrong the big, about that? I thought for most of this film's running time, it was a lot of fun in the way that jukebox musicals always are like, this is such like, you know, a. Uh, the the first two thirds I think of this film is is very fun, and then it inevitably goes into the alcohol and the drugs and the depression and the partying and the lovers. But it and starts all. with that. It starts with his shitty childhood. I yeah. I, hmm. But he. But I felt like he was that. So I I don't know. This is part of like why I reflected on because we both talked about like hey want to do Rocket Man we missed that Rocket Man actually I don't know if you can tell behind my porg but. Um, I got all these movie posters in my background behind my bookcase and Rocket Man is one of the big ones because we wanted to see that. I can't remember why we didn't, why that week it didn't work out. But I like seeing musical biopics. I really enjoy them. And I was trying to figure out why when I was watching this, I'm thinking like, you know, these are one of the few like really crystallized modern kind of American dream stories, people that come from humble backgrounds that overcome adversity and odds uh, to be like these unique individuals and make it just through sheer talent and grit. Um, And it's a very nice encapsulation of that. And I guess um, it's also got a lot of, you know, good lines for like when you're down at rock bottom, like there's always like a little 
Bon Mott that you can take away from these movies that I feel like are useful in times where like you feel like life shitting on you. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like they're full of this that kind of stuff that uh, they were talking about on Southpaw, you know, like the, the, the kind of bullshit you tell people the, 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 the you know, how you be successful. I, I just like it. I don't know. It's like a nice little rags. They're always like these rags. The, the riches stories, usually the the ones that they choose to make a biopic about have some kind of triumph or they're cut down in their prime. So there's that kind of like, you know, they're like these eternally great things. And I thought all that came across and. You know, like the costuming was fun. It's Elton John's yeah. music. It's like I the the little kid they got to play him when they show him like they have these this thing at the end in the credits. I'm not sure if you watched it, but they show like, you know, Taron Edgington stomping around in his sequenced L.A. Dodgers thing. And then they show Elton John from the same camera angle at the actual concert. He wore it. They did oh, it nice. a bunch, but they. They showed the kid like turning around on his bench with the first time he played the piano in the movie. And there's a picture of Elton John at like three years old. And it's a fucking clone of him. Mm-hmm. It was like the casting's so good. And the kid also the the young Elton John can kind of belt as the, he starts a rocket man. I thought that stuff yeah. was a, a lot of fun. You know, just the like him and his mom and his dad singing uh, Elton John song about their feelings and I, I just thought that stuff was really cool and the fact that Elton hmm. John seemed like he had a hell of a life up until it got a little away from him I thought that was really cool too okay I mean yeah I don't want to shit on this maybe I just wasn't uh, in the headspace to watch this movie but it yeah it didn't do much for me I felt like a lot of it was rushed in a weird way like by the time hmm. that they were trying to make me Im- just sympathize but basically immediately in this movie they want me to sympathize with this kid who's singing about how he just wants to be loved i'm like well they haven't really earned this moment they haven't earned any emotion from me yet because all they've shown me is like his grandma being supportive of him while he's playing the piano and that's essentially it and his yeah. dad's a little standoffish i i didn't understand enough about his home life yet to understand why he would be so uh you know bummed out about it but i don't know um i didn't think the musical parts were very inspired in fact i think i really disliked a lot of the recompositions and rearrangements they did of his music wow okay are you a big are you a big elton john fan because i can't say that i am oh i am i mean well not huge but like for someone who was born in 82 probably i'm a a decent elton john fan I, i would say like certainly his big stuff i love it i think it's great okay um you know rocket man and benny and the jets uh yeah, goodbye yellow brick road uh i'm still standing all that stuff fucking circle of life all, all those things in the air tonight yeah uh, i became an elton no. john fan when lion king came came out right uh, oh, I was I was trying to make a Phil Collins joke. Like I was trying to see if I could piss off Elton <laughs> no. John's fans by getting him. Uh, sure. Yeah, I no. So, but this thing is like I I like Elton John. I, I feel like um I come I'm I'm an Elton John fan the same way I'm a Billy Joel fan. Like you know yeah. the big big uh, piano man songs you can sing along to, you can belt out to. But I'm I you know like some of this catalog I was not familiar with. Um. But I, yeah, it's it's so weird. We had the opposite reaction because I thought the big musical numbers where like there's rapid costume changes and there's like this heightened magical reality of people floating around or him like like inside of a giant hamster wheel spinning around. I thought that stuff was really cool. I thought the Rocket Man sequence was kind of a jaw dropper, showstopper. 
Um, just it didn't. Think it, but it's weird because like it's, I don't know. Some of the, the, I, the some of the th- stuff like the Rocketman sequence worked narratively against it because I thought that was him hitting rock bottom. Mm-hmm. But it maybe maybe it was because I guess that's the other thing I liked about the film is that um, well, I don't think Rocketman is is a <laughs> uplifting song. I think Rocketman is a tragic song. Yeah, and it's it's appropriate for your child, your unloved child version of yourself to sing it to you at the bottom of the pool while you're probably dying of an alcohol and drugs overdose. Like that's like yeah. not just rock bottom. You've gone subterranean. You're in the diving well of an in-ground pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then but it wasn't um, it ended up like kicking off like a up phase of his career, but it was also a down phase. But like mm-hmm. that's why it's getting to It's like I actually thought that there's a lot of admirable thing, admirable things about him coming to grips with himself, learning to love himself, doing some little integrated family system style th- in therapy. Um, like, you know, like I thought there was a lot of realistic that like, OK, I've got my shit together, but you don't really you're going to fall. You're going to fuck up again. That's the um, thing. I never you- felt that turn. I never felt the turn from like he's resolved to not fuck up, but keeps fucking up to like he's resolved to not fuck up and actually succeeds. I it, it, the thing that they do is just give him the music video for I'm still standing at the end. And I'm like, OK, but yeah, he did have the, the, that, yeah. And I guess that's where the magical realism, because I think you're supposed to understand the framing device of him stomping into a Alcoholics Anonymous session in his full like satanic lolita outfit Mm -hmm. um as the stand-in for probably years of personal introspection and therapy right i just wish i had seen more of that journey um it felt it felt like a very abrupt turn from his down phase to his i'm okay with who i am now phase I guess like that's what I identified early on in the movie. I was like, okay, this is going to be necessarily. I mean, Elton John is a character that invites the idea of, I don't really know who I am because I'm playing a character on stage. Right. And you can go this route with basically any rocker, but Elton John is very, uh, it can be like a very overt sort of thing with that. He braces the theatricality of it all. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And who is he underneath? And I, I thought like, that was going to be the theme and it is it definitely is it just wasn't laid out in in a way that i sort of saw all the dots connecting it it, it kind of shortcutted a lot of that stuff and undermined the emotional impact of it for me by the end but maybe like i said maybe i just wasn't in the mood to watch it uh i will say taron edgerton is 99 percent of the way to a perfect elton john superstar singer and i don't know if he's getting a lot of assist from you know voice effects and stuff but holy shit he is good in this was a good singer like he he's the voice behind the one of the gorillas and sing and he really can belt it out in that so like i he's got that and i think a a little bit of processing and a little bit of maybe layering the real elton jod behind there he gets and i thought he also sold Cause that was my thing is like, I don't think that Taron Edgerton Edgerton is a very close physical facsimile. Like when there's like some of the big outside, like big grin when he does that, but like physically, like he's a pretty hulking dude. Uh, and I was wondering like, if he's going to be able to pull mm-hmm. off that, that kind of, and, and he did like, um, and the costuming helps, but like, I think he did a really good job of acting, uh, as an extroverted introvert. 
Yeah. As someone who naturally is shy and kind of withdrawn, but because the demands of his lifestyle and who he wanted to be is forced to be this continually performing person. Um, I thought he did really well with that stuff. He did mm-hmm. really like some of the scenes with his mom and dad were great. And maybe that's one of the other reasons I gravitated toward this. Cause it's like, Oh wow. He's got a demanding narcissistic mother and a remote cold father. Uh, gee, man, I wonder what that's like growing up. Uh, I, I felt like, and, and uh, yeah, I felt like I, um, identified with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and broadly speaking, like, you know, I didn't come out of the closet, but like, you know, leaving the religion was felt very similar to that mm-hmm. where you have an internal realization about yourself that no one else knows about. And you're scared about letting it out. And, you know, it, it's a big moment and you know, your family's going to be pissed, but you got to eventually uh, rip it. Like all that stuff. Um, I guess I kind of identified that stuff too. And I get caught up um, like the scene where he is being forced to tell his mother that he's gay. Um, and, you know, he's all worked up about what it's going to mean to her and what's it's going to you know mean to their relationship. And it's going to break his mother's heart and blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he finally tells her and she's accepting, right? Like, Oh, I've always known that. And you get like, you, you feel like it's going to be that kind of movie where it's like, oh, well, he's had this to worry about. But then she says like increasingly crueler and crueler and crueler things until she finally says, it's just a shame that you're never, ever, you know, like this choice you've made. It's never, uh, you know, you're never going to be loved properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume because she I, thinks only a woman can love a man properly. Is that because he's bucking nature and he's making a choice and he's doing this mm-hmm. because he wants attention and like all the other shit that I at one point honestly believe because that's what I was told about gay people. I, I that's I that's the other thing is like um, I feel like the guys like Elton John really helped me understand like break through the conditioning that I was gone to that this was a choice because I kept on seeing these people um, and I was old enough to remember when Elton John got married to this woman and then he got a divorce a couple years later because of course he did and all the discussion Mm -hmm. around that and i remember because like in the witness culture uh gay men especially i remember the illustrations of them and like (laughs) you're thinking illustrations of gay men why what's in this yeah like some of our literature had like these what i would call worldly people montages and it was always like in the 80s was always like an F4 phantom streaking over about to drop a bomb. Mm-hmm. It was always a black kid with a swollen belly starving. Uh, it was someone putting a needle, a heroin needle in their arm. And it was always two sad, uh, middle-aged, rundown gay men holding each other in a strip club, kissing probably on the cheek because a full mouth kiss would be too much for <laughs> the, the witness old ladies. Yeah. It was just this drab sad they're probably prob- like you know they- everything was just like pathetic about them and they're mm-hmm. always illustrated that way it's like jesus christ who would choose to do this and guys like you know elton john there was like it's like i don't know this probably seemed ridiculous and it's a little rick and morty but like i started being aware of like well these there's like if the gayest gay person and they're living their life and they seem like they're happy and i'm like the idea that someone would choose this is bizarre and crazy. Like, why would you, why that can't possibly be true. And then like somehow making that realization about the gayest of the gays helped me appreciate. Well, if there's the gayest gay, there's probably got to be the least gay gay. And like what, like, like, like extrapolating their life experiences on that. And like, what kind of, like it really kind of helped me mm-hmm. appreciate, like, this is not true. Like all this is like fucking crazy propaganda. 
And it all came back to like Elton John and his crazy fucking wigs and his crazy glasses. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So like it was kind of when I saw him like this, this dramatization of him like doing this in real life, like going and realizing that he was gay and what that meant yeah. and the family, like that, that stuff. Um, I don't know. I thought it was is really interesting and uh no i i like really well portrayed that's the strongest part of the movie for me is the way they treat his sexuality it's not like some super secret thing amongst his closest friends like everybody you know kind of identifies that he's gay before he'll admit it um but then you know when he when they call him out on it he's like yeah okay and what if i were uh and all of his friends accept it. And then he has the tough decisions to go talk with the people that maybe he shouldn't, but he does love uh, like his parents and tell them when he knows that they're not going to be nearly as accepting as his friends. And then eventually, you know, he's got to come out to the world at large, things like that. I I think that was probably the strongest part of this movie for me, at least because it felt the realist and it felt the most like connecting the dots and making sense. Yeah, and there's a great line towards the beginning of the film where he's just getting plugged into the rock and roll scene where he's talking to, it turns out, another gay performer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you've got to kill the person you were born to be to become the person that you want to be. And this is all in the context of like him being born as Reggie uh, and wanting to be Elton Hercules John. But like he's like saying that, like, you know, eventually you've got to, you know, if you come from this world. Like we're not, you're not, you're, you're going to have to eventually decide that you're breaking some rules and you're gruffling some feathers. Um, and you gotta, you can't like straddle, you know, Reginald and Elton, you kind of got to devote to Elton. And the rest of the movie is about the pain that I guess Elton John did to himself and others. Mm. Like there was like, I, I, um, I felt like it was a little bit, that's the, where the movie I felt rushed to me, the relationship he had with Renata, Renate. Yeah, the Renata, like, Renata. landlord at their. Oh well, that I'm talking about something. the one we had with the producer, the music producer. Oh yeah, where, where he got married. Yeah, and I, I read an interview, um, a recent one, like it was from 2019, 2020, where people are asking him about that, and uh, you know, like the the idea that you know someone loved him unconditionally and he loved them so much, and because he was so he's trying to deny, like this last final time, deny the reality of who he is. He caused like so much pain to himself and these other people he cared about. Um, like that was something maybe the movie could have leaned in a little bit because that's profound and a, like an experience that like a lot of people can't probably have and understand. And it felt both him like kind of, I guess it, it felt like he was using her as a life preserver, right? His whole mm-hmm. life is kind of like swirling down and he was kind of making a clean break with everyone that knew that part about him. And fuck, why not? Why not try the heterosexual lane again? I thought that yeah i want a little bit more i felt like the movie needed a couple more moments to 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 make some of that stuff work because it felt like well what the fuck is that yeah at that point in the movie him getting married felt weird um but yeah, yeah. maybe it felt weird to him at the time too it seems like <laughs> i'm sure it did uh they bring it back around too i think by the end of this movie where he's he's in this group meeting and they like, he starts talking to his parents. He starts talking to all the people in his life from before about who he is. Um, and then he eventually says like, I know exactly who I am. I'm Melton John. Right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that kid, but I can still like get down and hug that kid. I can still like 
appreciate that I once was that kid. Um, but now he's much more like he is Elton John. He always has been Elton John. It's just that's the like get rid of the person you were born to be, right? Which is Reginald Dwight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and become the person that you want to be. And I think by the end of the movie, he's done that. And I, I felt that moment. I thought that was a nice moment. You talk about that that scene about him hugging his younger self, and I thought that was really I thought that was a really touching scene. And it's also um, there's this concept in therapy called uh, integrated family systems, and it's an idea of like uh, usually a lot of the trauma we experience happens because we're young people and we didn't have the appropriate coping mechanisms and life experiences to understand that like you know this you know this is just one person yelling at you when you're a kid and you're being yelled at or you're neglected by your parent it's like your entire world doing this to you right Mm -hmm. so as a result of that you know we develop these unhelpful and unhealthy coping mechanisms um from because we just came up with them when we're six and seven we kind of still when things get bad we lean on those things um and integrated family systems is a way to like you can have conversations with your father you have conversations with your six-year-old self because a lot of times we carry you know, your your dad will say something like, stop crying, be a man, you got to tough this out. And instead of like stopping and being like, is this good advice in this moment? Should I be crying? Am I right to be sad? Is this a shitty situation that maybe I need some sympathy? You just internalize that, right? Um, and a lot of times you will continue to like be your dad to that little child that part of you inside of you you'll like uh you know like why can't you get it together why can't you do this why and it's just this like perpetuates a shame cycle to be able to go back and be like metaphorically take that six-year-old version of yourself and be like man little man you had a bad bad start and you Mm -hmm. did the best you could with what you knew which wasn't much and you should add a lot more help and you didn't and i'm sorry that people made you feel that way and i don't feel that way about you and i forgive you and i'm not i'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop perpetuating abuse it seems yeah. silly, but it actually can feel very liberating and had that conversation with your father, too. It's like you let me down and you weren't there for when you need me. But like when I think about the way you were raised and the time that you lived in, you probably did the best you could with what you had. And I'm not mad at you anymore for that. Like you're just as that, that stuff is incredibly liberating and um, and sometimes and can be effective. And I thought that the picture did a pretty good job of. Fictionalizing what that looks like. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's like that's not how it looks like in a therapeutic sense, but like that kind of being able to like like at the end where he's like, I can't get better with this guilt and the shame, and it, I got to forgive everybody, not just me, but Dad. Like you know, people are like, well, and every time people would come in, like, well, you're just that, and he'd be like, okay, well, maybe, but I'm happy to be that. When people, his mom tries to blame his dad, now nah, you can't do that. Like that just kind of reckons truth and reconciliation of your whole like it's just powerful. And I thought it was very moving and extremely well done in the movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the ending of this movie is pretty good. Uh, I just didn't feel like all of the journey connected. Um, some some of the songs, I think, are strange in context, like especially the early on stuff. Um, like I already talked about how I didn't quite feel I didn't feel the love tonight when he was singing that song about I just want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the Saturday night, Saturday night fighting sequence montage, which yeah. is him as like a 12 year old. Is, yeah. is the movie? I guess this is like anachronistic kind of thing where a 12 year old is singing about what Saturday nights are for. 
don't know about you, but when I was 12 years old, Saturday nights were not for fighting. Saturday nights were not for anything but like video games and Mountain Dew. Um, yeah, but did you live in a rough part of London that like, you know, I, that's the thing. Like, I think you're supposed to understand that Elton John was sneaking out as like a 13, 14 year old and playing dive bars and shit. He okay. was going out with his his his, his uh, Ivy League music career and his slick back rockabilly hair. And he was like, you know, doing doing this uh, low rent bar shit um, as a way to kind of build his chops and stuff. Again, I, guess I don't I know if that's Elton John could have written some original music for this for that moment, because I was thinking Saturday Night Fighting certainly couldn't be a song he wrote that early. And also smoothly transitions like it's supposed to like get you through like, OK, Elton John at 13 at his music conservatory and graduating because by the end of it, the camera pans around 180. And, oh, look at here. It's Taren Edgerton, no yeah. longer Jonathan Lipnicki uh, Elton. It's now Taryn Elton. And look mm-hmm. at him. He's super attractive and young and he's checking out all the guys but yeah um and it's like that's the thing with the jukebox musicals is sometimes like uh mama mia for example if you're just limiting yourself to the abba catalog and then you got a two-hour movie you got to tell a plot you're going to have some reaches you know some things that yeah i definitely work at the lyrical the level but this. not the musical level or they might work at the musical emotional level but not strictly the lyrical level if you but yeah that's that's just the way they go yeah, I was feeling the reaches and those might have put me off uh, early going in this movie because there are several of them. There's a couple things I also had noticed that like, uh, you know, Rob Stark, when he comes up and uh, he's seen his first uh, this transcendent bar show that he puts on where everybody starts levitating when he's singing as Crocodile Rock, right? Yeah. Um, that was a cool scene. You know, like like that that rare ability for a performer uh, to, to just really captivate a whole room. And he gives this speech about how, like, you know, I, I like the song, but I, I love the artist and you've got this thing you got it and it's only you and blah, blah. Like, I found myself as a, a newly minted 45 year old watching that getting embarrassed, like who but a young person falls for this kind of like bullshit and flattery. And I immediately had a negative opinion of uh, Rob Stark here. And uh, it turns out, yeah, he is this kind of a person that uses and abuses people. Yeah. Um, I thought some of that stuff is that's I guess that's also the thing I like about biopics is there are also usually great things to like talk about. Um, you know, if you got kids like, hey, look, look at these patterns mm-hmm. and these relationships. And like, are you aware of patterns like that? And I don't know like, if you can be that directive with kids, but like it, it just allows you to see these situations before you'd even get them and like see like, oh, this is what it feels like when someone like abusing you and make it seem like it's your fault and and uh, all that. I thought that was stuff was was good, too. I know it was important to Elton. I, I read a bunch of interviews where he wanted to, like, fairly portray the dark parts of his life, the things that he wishes he could do better and the times where he felt like he wishes he could stand up for himself or. And, you know, he also is very cruel to his best friend. I was going to say um, the number one scene that sticks out to me is where his friend says he's going home. And, and he wants he invites him back to the ranch to just write some music like the old days. And Elton curses him. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like in, um, I don't know, biopics are, they, there's always this line. They, they run between making friends like this seem like wet blankets that are stopping the fun versus like, you know, people throwing out lifelines and doing interventions. Mm-hmm. I felt like this, um, 
it did it, it did a really good job of showing what that looked like because like Elton is gonna say, Well, this is a time you're abandoning me. That's not what he said. He's like, I need a break. I need to find myself. And I want you to come with me. Mm-hmm. I want you to come out to my ranch. And I want us to write music together like we did when we were teenagers. And Elton John just spits in his fucking face and then turns around and says, well, that was you abandoning me again. I thought that. Um, and then like, and, when, and I don't even think it was just, you know, he needed a break. I think he identified that Elton needed a break, too. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I thought it was also great when they later reconciled, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, Elton didn't have to, cause like sometimes in these movies, like the person has to have this like giant, like self-flagellation, uh, apology and like, you know, but like a true friends, like I can see you've made changes and you're being a different person. And like, there's someone also, it's like, you know, Elton was like, Oh, everybody hates me. He's like, no one fucking hates you. You know, you're just being an asshole and yeah. you're being self-destructive. And if you stop all that, then people will start loving you again. Like, th- I-, I thought that, like, the movie, I don't know. There's something about, like, the dysfunction, but also the healthy responses to it. And I don't know if this is Elton coming back and rewriting history and being like, oh, if I, you know, this is how I would as a confident, mature man deal with all these situations. But that's the kind of it, you, you got you got across like. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I like about these biopics is they show, you know, a lot of times you're told as a kid, well, you got to keep your nose clean and you got to work hard and you don't get mixed up with drugs and alcohol and fall into the wrong companions. But what if you do? Cause they don't give you a, they don't give you like, it's all about like what not to do, but what if you do the shit that you shouldn't do and it bites you in the ass and you're trying to get back? There's not like yeah. a lot of roadmaps that, and like these usually have those kind of things. Like if you shit on your friends and your family how can you get back? Or maybe some of your friends and family weren't friends and family to begin with. And you're well shot of them. Mm -hmm. Like I like that stuff about this movie too. Yeah. That's the thing that kind of tore me up about the scene with his dad um, years later where he goes back and he's trying to come out to him and his dad, like he doesn't end up doing it because he sees that his dad has just always hated him. Like there's, there's something about him that his dad has always resented and it might be that he like thought he was gay from a young age and i don't know that elton at that point wants to give him it wants to give him anything of himself anymore you know he walks out the door and he's very angry um you know he goes into a self-destructive pattern at that point um especially after he has to tell his mom also and that goes bad but yeah just like the way the movie doesn't tell you what he's thinking in that scene it just shows you that he clearly loves his two new kids and you know we remember the relationship he had with his father before it's a pretty powerful scene yeah and it's like i don't know because i got a little bit of maybe his dad was gay secretly in his maybe the movie some does of that not stuff the way when they're like i just there, want someone but... i i want someone to love me like they included his dad in that um and there's i maybe. i couldn't tell if there because there's an open reading which is he's got the sons that he wants now yeah and he's fully invested in his family and looking like you know he's hugging these kids because he's not afraid of them being soft and turning gay yeah there's that but there's also a reading that like what if his dad is also deeply closeted and it didn't work out. Um, and but he instead of, you know, once he got free, instead of like finding the love of his life, he's doubled down mm-hmm. and doing this. And like 
that is sad too. I mean, it it, it was it was tough. For so me to so say. it's less anger and more pity, or or both. You know, it would but, certainly yeah, be both. both. Like the the fact that like you're doing this again because you're probably going to um, disappoint these. Because like I got the other idea that like he's going overboard. Like the kid that he picked up and kissed on the cheek is like 13 years old. Yeah. Uh, maybe they they cast an a too old guy, but like, I don't know. Like at some yeah, at some point you don't. I you know, I, I whatever. Uh, that like he's trying a little too hard to be this kind of dad. I that, I don't know. Um, but it was also just like yeah, the punch in the gut of like you know. Um, I it was such a weird scene with his dad, man. His mm-hmm. dad acknowledging his success. And even that the, his boys are kind of in, you know, uh, uh, kind of idolizing him. And he finally he's going to write, uh, you know, get an autograph. But it's to give away to some guy who's into him because he's personally not to his taste. Yeah. Jesus. What a fucking punch in the gut. Sure. Um, and then like, your mom, the mom is like, broadly speaking, more supportive. That's why maybe it's a, felt like a bigger betrayal when she says all that shit about him. And then later on, when they have a confrontation at a restaurant where she says that you're good for nothing and you've, you've not had to work a day in your life. And it's so embarrassing. And you're such a disappointment being your mother. Like, how can you say that? To, I'll never understand how you can have a child like Elton John. And even if you don't get it, mm-hmm. how can you not be transcendently happy that they're doing so well and getting so much respect and meaning so much in the lives of so many people. Like, even if you just don't get yeah. it at all, like and how can you not I, see what they do as work? Like, yes, I get that's oh, the okay. He thing. has talent. So you don't consider applied talent to be work. Elton John's life seems or like a lot of work. Ass to me. off. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's and, touring. If you know anything about touring, it's just constant. He's in the middle of a three-year-long farewell, farewell tour right now. He's been doing through the pandemic 80, at, at, almost, at seventy-two yeah, or seventy-three or whatever. It's yeah, no, it's th- that that's good stuff too. Like, because I know that's a lot of artists, especially you know artists, that get this kind of exposure and and acclaim. Like, that's always like I don't even have real jobs. Um, you right. know, because you only see them performing for an hour and a half on stage. Uh, five days a week or whatever. You don't see right. all the work that goes into it behind the scenes. How long do you think yeah. it takes to him to get into one of those fucking get ups? Oh, a hundred percent. I, this is, this dialogue has been uh, relevant recently in the, like the only fans kind of like collapse and, and banning of pornography and then walking it back because there's a lot of like, Oh, they'll have to get real jobs now. Oh, Man, yeah. if you're like a top 1% girl on OnlyFans, you are working your ass off. Not just like maintaining you your are. body and coming up with the content, but dealing with everyone's fucking bullshit <laughs> that you get from that being in that position. Oh my God, that's you're a designing lot Designing marketing campaigns. There's a lot of shit that goes into that, yeah. Yeah, it's not just like taking a couple lazy pics with the cell phone and posting it on, like not at that level, it's not. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you're making your livelihood from only, yeah, you definitely got Delta some genetic gifts, um, some talent, some, some, but like you had the work to fucking exploit that. Obviously, obviously. Sure. And Elton John could play a mean piano even when he was three. That's the depiction. It's interesting to me how they depicted Elton John's talent because early on in the movie, they depicted as he simply has a very good ear and a, an extremely good memory. Um, but somewhere in the middle of that movie that it just goes away, right? Like, okay, now he's a great composer. Now he, um, huh. and I don't know when the turning point is. Cause he goes to, he gets the scholarship 
um, to the, the musical school. And then it just kind of goes away. He just starts composing original music instead of copying what he's heard. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, that just shows the difference between like a, I guess a eight, nine year old and, and a 20 year old, but like, I, I felt like they told, and it like, shows the effect I, and of I didn't the know schooling, this. I guess. Yeah. And, and I didn't know this, but I thought, um, yeah. Cause she's like, okay, well you can do this. Let's now go back to basics, teach a theory and all that. But I, I got the idea that yeah. he's almost like a, a Mozart level genius. Yeah. Cause that's like essentially Mozart. Um, and then he turns into a world-class composer. Well, of course he does, but he doesn't have the lyrics. Like right. I thought that was interesting that like this guy could just write, you know, there's a, he, he's bust that candle in the wind early on. And you're like, Oh, uh, what is that? I don't know. I just came up with it. Like, does he be able to write a hook like that? That's insane. And I also thought like this, 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 um, lifelong, um, relationship that he had with his Bernie character, his, his songwriter. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing on the other side of that to be able to just like write all those crazy songs about such diverse topics and um, like like just like big love songs and ballads and rock and roll and novelty songs and all that stuff. And just like the right hit after it. like it's it's kind of like the perfect fusion of these two talents. Um, yeah, I can't quite understand what it's like to write a song without hearing the music in your head, because when I think of writing songs, I think of the melody you know fusing with the lyrics into uh some some distillation of a song and it doesn't seem like that happened here right that was elton john's job he just wrote lyrics that were catchy but how did he know if they were catchy without a melody i because a melody is what makes those lyrics mostly catchy you know, he probably had something like a d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d d but that's a far cry from like adding you know guitar and piano and and uh drums and like like finding yeah i'm sure he had yeah like a cadence to the lyrics in his head but you know certainly not notes or anything i guess it's like essentially you're writing poetry which has its own kind of like rhythms and stuff and then someone goes and sets music to it that's what i'm saying like it's um Cause I feel like I could, I could, I, I can't write music to save my fucking life, but I can like, like write poems and stuff like that. Um, so I, I saw, but, but the idea that you're doing 40 a year or some crazy shit like that is yeah, the, the, when, the uh, output that these guys had in the sixties and seventies is just insane. When his manager is like, Oh yeah, I guess you a three album deal a year. And mm-hmm. they're like three albums a year. Are you fucking? And insane? you're also going to be yeah, the permanent house band. That's you know the yeah. It's again yeah. Never worked a day in his life. Jesus. Why would why would anybody release three albums a year? I can't. Like who wants that? I, I, I wouldn't know. want my favorite band to release three albums a year. That's stupid. A lot to keep up with. It is crazy. Who wants somebody to release eight podcasts in a week? That's insane. I, I was about to pivot to that. It's like, are, haven't we like we've had conversations like, OK, you're the craziest bald move fan in the world. How many hours of podcasts are you listening to this week? Right. Like, are we fucking ourselves? Yeah, no, uh, it did feel a little bit like uh, that's the thing is like I felt like they set up Al Capone to be the prototypical bad manager who's mm-hmm. exploiting. But it seemed like Richard Madden. Is it Madsen? Rob Stark. Richard yeah, Madden. Madsen, Madsen. Seemed like he was Madden. the bad manager that really, I mean, he definitely took it more serious and got him a lot more money, but goddamn, he's abusive. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Jimmy Fallon in Almost Famous. 
except we yeah. didn't get to see how abusive he would be necessarily. Right. We just saw right. he's the asshole you need to get to the next level because he can put together the deals. He's not going to force you into three albums in a year, but he is going to get you played at uh, whatever bar it is, whatever theater it is. I was trying to think LA. of what, that, what, what it was called. Yeah, the little folk folk thing that, that apparently Bob Dylan and, and uh, Neil Diamond and the, the Beach, Beach Boys, Boys all hung out at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of the things because you said that, uh, you know, you, there wasn't a lot of fun or like crazy visuals and stuff or something. I, I, and I, I want to talk about the things I did think stood out. Um, okay. Like I said, that that scene with the levitating crowd of the crocodile rock, I thought that was yeah, that's amazing and cool. Um, I thought the pinball wizard, which I'd never heard him sing before, that montage of him like doing all the crazy outfits and the arena rock and all that stuff, I thought that was really great too. Um, it wasn't anything special. It was just like like a lot of blur cuts from you know stage to stage to stage, outfit to outfit to outfit. But it like got gave you an idea of like the showmanship, uh, and they they also had, like there's a cut of his mom watching Liberace, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah. Because that's like, like at that point that, you should have known he, she knew he was gay, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But like that's thing that that age, the, the, like Liberace was kind of uh, he was in the closet know, too, deeply closeted. Like you know, people said women loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such an interesting analog for him. Um, I thought the Rocket Man sequence. From him, like, you know, starting off, like, uh, just like an announcement, I'm now going to try to fucking kill myself, jump in the pool. And then down at the deep end is a little is a little boy version of himself in a spaceman suit. That's also a dive bell at a little toy piano harpsichord. And he starts playing Rocket Man as he f- sinks to the literal bottom. Um, what is that- fun about that? It's not fun. I mean, it was just it's visually amazing. interesting, but it's there's no fun. Every bit of fun in this movie, with the exception of that crocodile rock sequence, is tinged with tragedy. I, hmm. Like every bit of it. I can't I can't think of a single bit where it's not like, oh, he's actively self-destructing here. He's putting right. on the brave face when he goes out in his fucking peacock mohawk and and and, and plays an amazing show. Well, I didn't say this part was fun. I said it was visually interesting and kind of like jaw dropping okay. from a visual standpoint. It is that. Yeah, it's very cool. And, and then like, you know, I thought it's like, OK, well, this is like what rock bottom is. But it ends, you know, like then there's like him looking up. And I think what you're saying is guests diving in to try to save him become like a synchronized swimming ship. Yeah, and yeah. all that shit was great. And then he literally turns into Rocket Man and blasts off. And explodes like a firework as a plane goes over and then it smash cuts to him in his seat like with smoke coming off his head like he was the fire. So you're thinking like, oh, this is about him like confronting his demons and pulling out of it. But then you realize, no, he's just on another like this is just a a cycle further down the spiral. Yeah, I mean, Um, it's it's Rocket Man, right? It's his career is taking off, but it's burning him out uh, from both ends here. That was a fucking great. I thought that was a great match of song to visual medium to oh, yeah. the point of the movie, um, which is kind of fun. Like, I don't know, like the, the experience of a movie working, it feels fun to me. Sure. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, those are the two ones that I thought like really gave me. And I, I, I actually like the Saturday nights are made for or, or for fighting because I just didn't like I, the musical arrangement there mm. i i felt like it was too deconstructed or something it's not it doesn't rock nearly as hard as that saturday night song does when mm. he sings it yeah and it's not for lack of trying like taron edgerton like i said is 
almost a perfect facsimile in in terms of his voice of Elton John. It's so damn close. Um, but the, I don't think the composition supports him here. I think what they did rearranging his music dulls it. Hmm. For the most part. I, I think there are some exceptions. Well, he's not Elton John, you know. But, but uh, he's damn close. I, he is. It's not his fault that these things don't work for me. And the visual, like I said, the, that scene where there's a scene I really like too, where Elton John is being forced to do his song or, do, you know, like whereas life is at a low ebb and clearly he doesn't feel like getting up onto the stage and he's depressed and his love of his life has left him and he grabs a pile of Coke and he does a snort and then you can kind of see him like trying on the Elton John, like the big megawatt smile yeah. with the headdress he's got on and like trying to like like trying to work himself up into being Elton John. He really sold that he was Elton John at that moment. Yeah. Like he's got something in that like I don't did he, they do any like a dental appliance to make him really or it is like cuz I cuz I think I we 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 talked about this in The Kingsman 2. Like he's got a, a pretty passing similarity to he's got this, this in the energy and facial structure and like tooth structure of, of Elton John. Yeah. But he really fucking nailed it. Um, That's all something they the did. preening and the vamping. Yeah. Uh, and the, it was just like, looked like vintage Elton John. It's like, again, they do the thing at the end where they show like the actual photo and then the him, the Taryn doing it and he just killed it. So cool. Gotcha. I miss that stuff. Um, so we would be remiss not to talk about this in context of Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, because they came mm. out at almost the exact same time. Um, and you mentioning the tooth appliance is kind of like triggering me to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, clearly they were doing something with Rami Malek's uh, teeth in that movie, right? They mm-hmm. gave him an appliance to mimic Freddie Mercury's fucked up jaw whatever he's got yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um that enabled him to sing so well apparently huh uh what what would you say to someone who was trying to compare these two movies do you have a preference for bohemian rhapsody versus rocket man hmm that's a good question because the the only thing i remember being bummed about uh queen the queen one the bohemian rhapsody is i thought it was a pretty factual telling of the story and to find out that it was really fabulized and kind of in a self-serving way by the surviving band members um and so that takes a little bit away for me like you know and subsequent but it's it was a lot of fun to watch it was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. um and rammy was really a lot of fun as freddie mercury but like knowing that the subject of this was alive and kind of blessed it and guided it and was happy with how it turned out. And, and also the fact that he's like not saying that, Hey, this is not strictly speaking a 100% true. This is a myth. The light, this is a lightly mythologized version of my real life. I don't know. Like something about the movie saying that like, yeah, this is, this is a little bit rose colored and it feels appropriate to Elton John that it is. And the fact that he's here to protect his legacy I don't know something about like because I remember like walking out of Bohemian Rhapsody really liking it, yeah. And then I liked it less the more I thought about it and the more I read about, you know, the kind of real history of 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 Queen. And this I don't know like how would I like? um, It feels like everybody like it's he's still collaborating with this guy. The you know like who's going to come out and and say that oh actually Elton John made up a whole bunch of bullshit you know 
he's still on speaking terms with his ex-wife. You know, he's got a new husband, beautiful children. Like, I don't know. I, I so I guess I like this better, unironically. Okay. Uh, I I don't like this as much. Um, I think yeah. The for me, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie was a lot more fun. Um, I don't really care if a biopic is like super accurate. Um, as long as it nails like the themes of people's lives, it, I don't know. I, I'm not like a stickler for that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, yeah, who I do you think was be- better? Who do you think was better in the movie? Uh, Rami <laughs> as Freddie or Taryn as Elton? Jeez, that's a hard question to answer. They're both so good. They really are perfectly casted. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't think I can give either of them a one up over the other. They're both so yeah. good. And yeah. I was I was shocked by their abilities uh in both cases. Um and then what else do we want to talk about? Do you have a favorite Elton John song? I know you're not like a super fan or anything, but I think Saturday night or I guess what it's they I guess that's why they call it the blues. Okay. I really like that's uh that's a great breakup song, you know? Yeah. Um like like with with a little bit of distance to see the good I, I like that. That's a beautiful song. What about you? Uh I think it's definitely Benny and the Jets. That song is so much fun. It's like it, I don't know, they played in this movie as almost like a disco era um mm. song for him, and I think that's what it was, but also man, it's just yeah, it's a ton of fun. Anytime that song comes on the radio, I love it. Uh, what's what's the one from Almost Famous? Tiny Dancer. I mean, Tiny Dancer is a classic, right? Tiny Dancer is great. Yeah, I've been singing that on the Twitch stream right four or five times. Yeah, yeah, that's one that'll get stuck in your head for sure. So one of those two. Well, Rocket Man. I'm glad we got to catch up to it. It's one that I felt mm-hmm. like got away from us in 2019 because uh, that was a crazy end of the year. But um, I'm I'm glad we got to see it. I liked it a lot, um, but I can also see your the the problems you have with it too. Um, so yeah, it's uh, still though a great. I think uh, just the fact that it's a jukebox Elton John movie with a lot of his biggest uh, and most famous hits, and the fact that Taron kills it, it elevates the material to me. And you yeah. learn a little bit about uh, you know dealing with uh, trauma and family problems and. You know, the, the message of forgiving yourself as the first step um, is uh, to 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 better things is, is a good one to be to be taught to people. So. All right. Well, that's it. That's our thoughts on Rocket Man. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope you will come back next week for our next prestige film that we'll be talking about here on the Bald Move Prestige feed. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.